In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. Well, hello there and welcome to my corner of the digital universe. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close and find out entirely too much about people you, well, might know. I am Jeremy Griffin and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable. Here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Today's podcast is brought to you again by thejoyfulbean.com. It's one of the few places you can get that authentic Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee, which is the bomb. And if you've uh, never had it, I urge you to grab it right now. You can go again to thejoyfulbean.com. You can get it in K-cups, beans, ground, whatever you want. But the best part is they also have a lot of specialty blends. So if you like a little cinnamon in your coffee, well, I don't know if they have that, but I'm pretty sure they have it. Who knows? They know. And you can find out at thejoyfulbean.com. Anyway, enough of that. Thank you to them. But I want to also thank today's guest, uh, Mr. Jason Z. Hello. <laughs> it's good to be here. Man, it's great having you, bro. It was uh, it, it was a little bit of a trip from my neck of the woods. And, and on my way over, I was just listening to just a generic radio station. And I just thought, you know, they play a few songs that I hadn't heard in, I don't know, 15 years. And it just... All these memories came back. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. It's really, it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. I love your studio. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so for those of you guys who don't, uh, guys who don't know, Jason Zaragoza. Did I say that correct? Zaragoza. Zaragoza. Yeah. You know what's funny? It's phonetically perfect, but I have to. You have to fix it with everybody, right? I have to right? fix it every time, and it's fine because it, it, <laughs> it draws out conversations. Yeah, I like it. Um, so, Jason Z was your radio name. Is your radio name? You've been. Uh, in radio for many, many years, and I am excited. Every time I have radio guys in here, it's great because they know how to use a microphone. <laughs> so that's good. Thank you. Yes. I was all, and again, that's great because I was worried about blowing out your VU meters, and I was like, man, I don't know if I'm too close or where do I need to be, and I'm sitting there trying to adjust it, and then I'm more worried about breaking anything than anything else. Like, you come into somebody else's studio and you break something, it's real embarrassing. Uh, well, you know, it makes for a great story, though, because two years from now, I'm like, man, I had this guy in, Jason Z, what a dude, man. I'll tell you what, he just comes in. I mean, I don't usually talk in that accent or right. that voice, but it happens. So I'll tell you what, um, man, there is a lot to your story. I uh, will warn the listeners right now. I think we're going to have Jason on more often. Um, he's going to be uh, because I think there's a lot to his story. And you can uh, check out my other podcast, um, The Spiritually Wounded, because I think we're going to have him on there as well. Um, this is our first time visiting. In fact, Jason and I met about seven minutes ago. About seven minutes ago, we met each other. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, I checked out your podcast before I came on, obviously doing some Thanks, research. man. Giving you numbers. Right, exactly. So I kept looking at your face. You have a picture of yourself, right? Yeah. And your logo. And, and I thought, I've seen this guy somewhere. Nope, never seen him. No. And then I came in and you're all bearded up. And I thought, yeah, I've never seen this guy. <laughs> but uh, it's a pleasure being here. I appreciate you having me. And, and uh, yeah, we met about seven minutes ago. Yeah. Good stuff. So we're going to dive right in. I want to ask you, Jason, about uh, little Jason Zaragoza. Oh, okay. How, how, what were you? Okay. So, so were you always what we will we'll say is predisposed to being a radio guy or did there something like something switching you at some point? Well, when I was a kid, okay. Um, you'll notice that I'm wearing sunglasses in your studio. It's not because I'm cool. Uh, because actually, typically it is well, actually, pretty cool. It is pretty cool. But, <laughs> but uh, typically uh, when I was growing up uh, as a kid, I had what's called lazy eye. Mm. Um, uh, and 
didn't have a, didn't have the greatest social skills because of that. And a lot of people uh, made fun of me, you know, back before, mm. but back before soy and all of these things. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will just call it like it is. And so I wasn't ever one of those guys to get picked on the dodgeball team. Although I did take a dodgeball or two to the face. <laughs> well, that's fun. And uh, so, but it was never like Jason's going to get picked for football or Jason's going to get picked for tetherball or, you know, because of the debt perception problems that I had as a child. Mm. Um, I've had seven surgeries. Oh, wow. And so as a kid, as little Jason, um, there was always this, you know, when you're like that, when, when you're bullied or, and you are, uh, picked on and the last one picked on the team all the time, you kind of get inward. And I was one of those kids. Mm -hmm. And so my biggest breakthrough came when, um, on, and again, you're going to have to forgive me because my memory is getting, is not so good. like it used to be. Um, on Saturday mornings, it was FM radio, and I would hear Casey Kasem's voice yes. every morning in the American Top 40. And, you know, that whole keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. And, mm. and that guy, long before Ryan Seacrest, mm-hmm. long, long before him, long before uh, several of these other, uh, you know, pop icons, as they call them. But it was every Saturday morning, and I would listen to uh, Casey Kasem, and he would play the Top 40. and. I always wanted to know. I was always someone who wanted to be a detective. I always thought I was going to end up at the FBI. Nice. Maybe, maybe you know, serve our country in some form or fashion outside of the military. Because obviously, with my eye problems, I would never get into the military. So little Jason uh, decided, man, you know, I started tinkering, tinkering around with stuff that I would find around our apartment complex, broken phones, and uh, you know, the ones that have cords on them. Oh that yeah, get connected to the wall. <laughs> Those were fun. I would find broken phones and I would find gadgets all over the place and I would build things that you would never see and they would never work, but they looked really cool. (laughs) And so I was always interested in gadgets. Mm. Um, I didn't get really interested in radio uh, per se. Radio for me was kind of an accident, Hmm. uh, to be real honest. I don't think anything's an accident. Let me just put that out there. I do think that the providence of God had a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. And but I do think that I stumbled onto radio unbeknownst to myself. Hmm. Um, I was, I was cleaning uh, My mom had two boys. I have a twin brother. And so if you can imagine two Jason Z's. <laughs> okay. And one is more Henri. but anyway, we'll get into that later. Do we know but, which one? Uh, yeah. Jamie, my brother. He's, oh, okay. He's more Henri. I'm sure he, he, if he was here, he would certainly attest to that. Okay. There we go. But uh, long story short, I just fell in love with radio so much so that when I was a kid, uh, I think I was maybe eight or nine years old, uh, I had taken my bedroom, which I had shared with my twin brother till Hmm. we were out of high school. So all of you uh, millennials and others from other uh, generations, it's okay to share bedrooms. I'm just saying. Hey, can I just say, I want to jump in here because if you're getting that familiar vibe, the room we're in was where my two older boys grew up. Excellent. Excellent. So there's lots of memories in here. There is. And Fantastic. and they were a year apart. So for mo- most people thought they were twins when they were growing up. And Me and my uh, brother were three and a half minutes apart. Oh, three wow. and a, he's three and a half minutes older, and he'll let everybody know that. Even now at at the age that we are, he still is, hey, I'm three and a half minutes there old. There it is. <laughs> so there it is. But long story short, I would take my room my half of the room, it was literally like the Brady Bunch. I don't know how many of people are familiar with the Brady Bunch anymore, but in one episode, they they paint the, the yellow line down the room and say, okay, this is our side right. and this is your side. So we basically did that. And I turned my side into a radio studio <laughs> and literally destroyed my walls, put up some soundproofing, used my own nails, didn't ask for permission. Oh, nice. So that turned into some discipline I will never forget. Yeah. But that's that's I fell in love with radio because I got to let's just be honest. I got to hide behind a microphone mm. and I also got to I was uh, I was not driven uh, towards Jesus. I was not driven towards religion. I was not driven towards God because I don't know that I believe that man is driven towards God. Um, but I do think that once um, once that 
Jesus has ha, ha, started a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. It changed my mission. It changed my goals as far as what I wanted to do with radio and the and the and learning about the Prince of the Power of the Air and knowing that I could have a part in the the war against what what people are listening to, allowing into their minds, and what comes out of their life. Mm. And so as I got older, it took on a whole new meaning. But I've always loved radio. Hmm. Man, that's awesome. So <clears throat> you, uh, you know, you, so, uh, you were going to, I, I want to kind of get into how you were discovered, if you will. And, uh, um, that whole process, cause we talked a little bit before we started about that. And, uh, okay. I think it's exciting. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, just like everybody else, like I, I have teenagers at my house right now. Um, my two stepchildren, one is 19 and one is 15, 16. She just turned 16. She'd kill me if she heard me say that. <laughs> she just turned 16 and she's upset because we bought the magnetic things for the car that say student driver. Oh, and so she's yeah. Real, she's kind of upset about that, but it's fun. But yeah, <laughs> when I when I was um, 15, 16 years old looking for that first job. And I mean, you have to understand my mom, uh, my mom and dad divorced before I was before I was even born. They tried to get back together and it didn't work out. And so my mom raised us. And if and if you don't understand the term latchkey kids, mm. um, we were the generation that I was in second grade. Like my mom would be arrested today. Mm-hmm. We were left at home at second in second grade to raise ourselves from second grade to whenever she, you know, she would work three jobs just to make sure we had food on the table. When is it legal to leave a kid at home? You know what? I'll have to look it up. Because I, I, I've got a 10 year, almost a 10 year old and I am like <laughs> counting down the days. Exactly. <laughs> we, mom and dad have to have a date night soon. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. <laughs> so around the 15, 16 year old time frame, I was already, um, I was going to church and a week and we can talk about that on a later show, but I got involved. I got really involved in church. I got really involved in our youth group. I got really involved in trying to tell others about Jesus. I was really young in the faith, and so I did a lot of things wrong, but I was really excited. And churches love that. Youth ministers love that, man. If they can set your pants on fire (laughs) and then dye your hair green or yellow or white, man, they'll do it. And so I did it. And so my mom came to me and said, you you guys are wearing me out. I mean, I I can't deal with both of you, you know, 15 years old. And you're going to have to find something to do. Mm. And I hated working at McDonald's. McDonald's was my first job. Oh, yeah. Man. I don't know if I, how much trouble you get into for me saying McDonald's. But, yeah, I hated it. And I worked there for about six months. And I was like, oh, I can't. I don't know. I'd rather clean up after animals because they can't think for themselves. Humans can and they decide not to. It's a different story. Altogether. <laughs> But uh, I was looking for a job and I had found a Christian radio station in Oklahoma City uh, out of nowhere. Um, and they were playing things like Striper right, and Idol Cure and Baron Cross and White Heart. And that was my first concert was it, White Heart. Oh, yeah. Mine was DeGarmo and Key. Oh, yeah. Com- uh, D- Commander Sozo in charge of the Light Brigade. Wow. That was my very first Christian concert. <laughs> And to God rest his soul, Danny Key is awesome. Yeah. And anyway, so I uh, found this little radio station. It was like a thousand. It was like it was like tiny. It was about the size of your studio. Hmm. And I didn't even know it existed. And I heard this song called Breakaway by Idol Cure. And I kept listening to it. And I was a big Def Leppard, ACDC. Um, I loved rock and roll. If it has crunchy guitars, man, I'm in. Yeah. I am totally in. Um, so I kept playing hearing this song. And so... I finally figured out what their their 460 number was here in Oklahoma City, their request line. And I would call that sucker nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. They hated me. I mean, literally, <laughs> they hated me because I would request the same song over and over and over, just like a teenager. Because we didn't have Spotify. or We didn't have Spotify. <laughs> we didn't have iPods. We didn't have iPads or cell phones. or We had cell phones, but they were about the size of, of two of these microphones stapled together. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so it wasn't anything like they have today. So we had to listen to the radio, go grab the phone that's connected to the wall, dial in, stay on the phone, dial again. There was no redial. Right. So you just, you know, you punch the code in and hopefully you'd get in. So I'd sit there on the request line forever out in the garage. My my parents would be like, what's it, what are you doing? Talking to a girlfriend? Uh, no. <laughs> so 
finally, I went up to the radio station, figured out where it was at. And I'm serious when I tell you it was in a barn. Yeah, no, I, I remember going there once or twice in my life. And I thought, like, it's what it reminded me of was those sheds you can buy at, like, Home Depot. Exactly. But it was, was it a two-story? Yeah, it was a little two-story. Yeah. A little story and a half is what I call it. Yeah, because when you get up there at the yeah, top. Once you stand up and you start talking <laughs> on the microphone, you literally, if you're too tall, you have to duck down right. to talk on the microphone. <laughs> And so I went up there and introduced myself and let them know, hey, I'm a big listener. And I just went, I just slobbered all over them. Hey, guess what? You know, I don't care is awesome. Christian rock is awesome. <laughs> I was totally, I teenagered myself out. And um, I got a phone call later. Uh, I don't know how long ago. I was, this is so long ago. I was 15. Mm. And, uh, they, and I, I had called and talked to somebody. I can't remember who. I think it was a female. And I said, hey, look, I'll come and and do filing. I'll come and sweep the floors. I'll come and vacuum. I'll come and clean the the equipment. Whatever you want me to do, I'll, I'll do it. And I kept calling them, kept calling them. Finally, they gave me a shot. Hmm. And so I would go in and and I would ignore people, you know, and right. try not to get too excited. <laughs> and I would dust things and dust plants and vacuum and wipe stuff off and pull CDs if, if they asked me to and all of this stuff. Um, and then one night I was there and Ken Farley, the former program director uh, there at 91 FM, came to me at night and he said, hey, man, we're doing this thing called High School Happenings. You ever listen to it? And I was like, yeah, I hear it all the time. And uh, basically the high schools around Oklahoma City, uh, we got somebody from their student council or a student from the school to read their announcements for the week mm-hmm. into a box. And, and then we put music behind it and then we call it High School Happenings and we play it as a segment during the week so the kids would know, you know, what's happening at my high school. Maybe I can go check it out. And they didn't have enough voices, I guess, for that week. They didn't get enough people from the schools. And so we had all the calendars. And mm. so Ken came to me and said, hey, you want to read this for me into this microphone? And and my little five, seven, eight-year-old <laughs> Jason Z said, oh, yeah, let's do this right now. Like, I'm not going home. Like, this is my Casey Kasem moment. So I'm all like, hey, check it out. One, two, three, check it out. Check it out. You know, I did, I did my, my DJ mode. Turn fi- it on. At 15, you're like, dude, you're like overdoing everything. So, of course, Ken had to calm me down. <laughs> and I read into the microphone, and the rest is history. Um, Saturday morning rap tunes. I don't know if anybody remembers that from 91 yeah. FM, the KOKF days. And we did Saturday morning rap tunes with Tony B and we played anything from, from D boy to SFC to PID. Do you remember those guys? Oh, yeah. Steven Wiley. Remember him? Man. He's actually from Oklahoma. And, um, yeah, see, I graduated in 94 and my, my, uh, so I was right in the thick of all of that stuff. You, you were know. around right before Jesus freak came out when I used to do the yeah. 91 FM weekend jam. Yeah, we went from Weekend Jam with Jason Z, and we did. Uh, we had like Dakota Motor Company and DC Talk and Plum, and we played all that alternative music mm-hmm. on the at, at night. But that that's how I got my start in radio. Uh, thanks to Ken Farley, I owe him I owe him uh, my life in radio. He he literally gave me a shot, and then called me and said, "Hey, do you want to do Saturday morning rap tunes?" And and I was. You know, I was basically your your basic teenager, right? We had all of our jargon. Like, yo, what's up? What's up? <laughs> yeah, we talked like this. Yeah, yeah. And then who knows why Toby McKean, you can go on YouTube or wherever you want, wherever you do videos and you can find out uh, that Toby McKean is actually afraid that he used that phrase during DC Talk's big heyday. Yeah, boy. <laughs> but uh, that, that's how it was. That's how we were. And, you know, I was into boys to men and. And then I went on to college to do some singing and got some recognition, a little bit of recognition there, tiny recognition. Mm. But I stayed with 91FM because I believed in their mission. Mm. KOKF stood for King of Kings forever. And one of the things that we can talk about, you know, when I come back, mm-hmm. um, uh, getting burned by Christianity, mm. um, we'll talk about that later. But um, there was a promise made at 91FM that it would never get sold. Mm. And so, but I'll stop there. But that's how I got, (laughs) that's how I got started in radio. And I went on to do several different things. I, I went to onto a radio station, a little tiny country radio station in Anadarko that lasted for a half a minute. And then, uh, went to way FM in, uh, Nashville. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, Nashville was a a real wake up call for me, Mm -hmm. uh, to the, to the Christian music industry, Mm. but also a real wake up call to what, uh, what God has and how to hear him in all of the noise. So it was, it was good. I want to talk about your time in Nashville because a lot of people, um, I think when you think Nashville, you think, 
uh, musicians going to make it, especially country music, but it's not just country. Um, and it's cutthroat. It's, you know, if, you, if you're going to make it there, you got to do So is that same vibe? Is that the deal for radio guys too? Like what, when you get there, you got to be the man. You know what's, yeah, you literally, I actually went to, I got invited to a GMA uh, event during GMA week. And Ken Farley let me have a badge and I walked around with forefront and thought I was all the business, mm. right? Rebecca St. James on my right and audio adrenaline on my left and Jennifer <laughs> Knapp. And we'll talk about that later. But, but yeah, you get to Nashville and you're like, oh, and it's kind of a wake up call. You're, you've been peddling all of this music your whole life as a 15 year old. Not only that, but these are your, these are your icons to you mm-hmm. you know you grew up with these folks it'd be like you looking up to you know if you listen to secular music and you grew up on green day or you grew up mm-hmm. on oasis or you grew up on you know pat benatar for crying out loud you look up to these people because their music speaks to you mm-hmm. it, it speaks to th- certain things in your life at certain times in your life and so yeah but when you get to nashville it it's that same vibe um i had some connections and i was really blessed so I got asked to, I got interviewed at GMA week by the program director at way FM oh, wow. and funny story. I didn't last very long at way FM and I'll tell you why back timing. Mm. So if, if you don't know much about radio, if you're doing satellite radio, you have to do a lot of back timing. Mm. So, because at the top of the hour, you have to play your, your ID and it goes out over the entire network. So just because I'm in Nashville, it still goes off in like Kentucky and wherever else way FM has a satellite and that ID has to go off at the exact time everywhere. Yeah. So you get to the end of, you get to the end of your playlist, right? And you have three minutes and 47 seconds left. You have to go to the end of your playlist and you have to pick a song that fits that exactly. Wow. Exactly. And if it doesn't, then you have to back time and you have to do this math and you have to have a watch, an yeah. actual watch. Oh, think like, yeah. is that not so, a phone, a watch? Yeah. You've got to think in 15 <laughs> minutes, you've got to think in 15 minute intervals. So when that hand gets to the top and that ID goes off, it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of, of soldiers under command, that song's going to stop and that ID is going to come on. So it's going to sound like, can I say crap on here? Yeah. It's going to say, sure it's going to sound like crap. Yeah. If that music stops and that ID plays and it's all jumbled and that not only goes off in Nashville, but it goes off in Kentucky, mm. Bowling, you know, all of these places where way of him. I had a real problem doing that. So they were like, yeah, it was nice to know you, Jason Z, but you got to go. <laughs> oh, so I lasted there for about, I don't know, maybe four months, five months. Mm. I did some. I what did, year was that? That was 2001. Gotcha. Okay. And because uh, now, like that, that's not even a thing, right? No, that's um, not even a thing because everything's just dumped into a computer. Exactly. And it There's probably uh, outside of podcasts, I would almost gamble that almost every person that does radio, radio broadcasting, mm-hmm. uh, does voice tracking. So oh it, yeah, it's highly unlikely. I that mean, anybody is at a radio the, station. The only people who are there now, like I was in radio in uh, what was it, 2011, 12, something like that. And the only shows that were quote unquote live weren't even live. I mean, they were about 30 minutes ahead. But those shows were the morning shows that were, you know, yeah, doing stuff, responding to callers, things like that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah. I mean. I know the biggest challenge for them where you're trying to do math. Their biggest challenge is, wait, what day is this? Exactly. <laughs> so they're like, hey, it's Saturday in Oklahoma City. That's and you're true. like, it's Thursday, bro. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Nashville was a, a wake up call for me just because you have these preconceived ideas, whether it's about the way you were raised or whether it's about the way you think you should raise your children versus you, the way you think Christian artists should act or mm. any artist for that matter how you think they should act or, you know, you've, let's say that you grew up in middle America, like, like I did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, specifically I grew up staunch Southern Baptist. Right. Mm. So, so you've got these ideas that church camp is awesome. And the music, when you find a radio station, like 91 FM, not like the 91 FM now, which I have no problem with the air one, I have no problem. If I want to sleep in a hammock, I will turn them on. But, but that that no offense taken. I I just know that um, for me, when I got to Nashville, I didn't really have a lot of goals set out in front of me. I I literally said, 
whatever door opens, I'm going to walk through Mm -hmm. because jobs are hard to find and hard to come by, especially if you're not a writing artist, you're not a musician, you're not a studio player and you're not involved with somebody that can open a door for you. You've, you're starting at square one, not to mention the fact that once you get to Nashville, you've got all these people behind you that have, they literally have gone to college for what you're wanting to do. Right. They literally have lived their whole life trying to get a job that you got when you were 15 and didn't, I didn't go to college for it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I got a degree in communications eventually. And then I got another degree in, in it administration because I need to find something to do because radio doesn't pay. <laughs> right. You needed to, man, that's the thing. I want to tell everybody this cause I don't think they realize it, but, uh, radio and really honestly, television for the most part, local TV does not pay that. The way you would think. I think a lot of people are like, oh, everyone's six figures. And you're like, no. Yeah. yeah, everybody has these misconceptions. I know that uh, when I came back in, two, in, I say I came back, back in 2011, maybe 2012, I had I had taken a job as a recruiter for, for a, one of those pay-as-you-go college type things because um, radio DJs need money. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, at the time, it was over on 50 Pin Place. And if you're not from Oklahoma City and you're listening from outside our area, it's a very big building where a bunch of radio stations uh, broadcast from. And they're all owned by either Clear Channel or some other. Clear Channel. Owned, that's yeah. where I work. So Clear yeah. Channel is there. And then now they're iHeartRadio. And so I remember walking in the 80s, in the early 80s. You remember when Whitewater, that's our big water park. You remember when it opened? Oh, yeah. Like I literally waited on Reno. Oh, like wow. In line on Reno, Golly. waiting for it to open. That's how old I am. Wow. <laughs> and I remember going to visit KJ 103, which is the big pop station here in, in Oklahoma City. And I remember it was an entire building. Like it took up an entire floor. Yeah. Like you could walk around 50 Pin Place and it, there was an office for everything. In 2012, I, I was working in an office there and I took the elevator uh, on my lunch break. I like to go up the elevator and, and, and every once in a while, just so you, you went know, to floor eleven, did you? Yeah, I kind of wish that I, I always kind of wished I worked for Clear Channel, but I always wanted to work for the Cat. So mm-hmm. it, it almost happened. I've turned them down three times; they gave up on me. <laughs> and um, but it's cool. I love Jake. We went to high school together, and I remember Jake and I. We met at ninety one FM. He started. Oh, wow. He started at ninety one FM doing nighttime ninety one, which is like that? metal. Um, but anyway. You go there now, and I don't know what it's like now because I haven't been back there since 2012, 13. But the the floor that KJ103 used to be on in the 80s is completely vacant. Mm. Like it's a vacant building. It's like it doesn't look bombed out. I want to say that, but it's dark, no lights, no electricity. All the rooms are empty. It's kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. So I really had to, uh, at, at that point, I had to say, okay, I'm not going to make the kind of money I need to raise my children. I love radio. It, it's in me. It always has been. But I don't know what to do. And mm. uh, so I, you know, I prayed and and talked to some some people that were in my life at the time that were giving me guidance. And and I went and got another degree. You know, I was already working at a school, so I got a discount. So I thought, okay, well, I'll get an IT degree. And so a two year degree mm. is helping me do what I do now. Uh, and a four year degree. It's probably lining my kitty litter box. So, <laughs> you know, hey, America, it happens. But uh, allow God to do some strange things in your life and you'll see some really strange, wonderful things happen um, and have a little faith. Yeah, man, for sure. So uh, so you left Nashville after after they said, hey, you, you can't back time. <laughs> well, OK, let me put it this way. Put that to you? I ended up getting a job. I went to Nashville in 2000 and at the beginning, right after I came back, we went to New York City. Uh, in 2000, in, in 2000, okay, remember 9-11, okay, um, right before 9-11, I was in Nash, I was in New York City with Ken Farley in 91, uh, Sparrow Records had invited us out there to broadcast from the um, Museum of Television and Radio, and they put us up in a hotel for a week, and they let us watch um, a Broadway show, I won't tell you which one, because it's kind of embarrassing, um, but... <laughs> So I was, I, I felt like I was living, you know, I was, here was a kid with no money, you know, and I'm, I used to work for 91 and Ken asked me out of a, on a whim, Hey, do you want to go to New York? And I'm like, um, who's going to say no to New York? Yeah. Right. Never been always wanted to go to the David Letterman show. So we went and spent a week in New York. I came back and I knew, you know, again, being younger as I was, I thought this is exactly what I want to do. I want to be someplace and I want to, I want my life to matter. Mm -hmm. 
I want my life to matter. It's big. And so I came back and went to Nashville, worked at Way FM. In the meantime, I worked there on the weekends. I worked I worked a job at a hotel as a front desk manager. And this was at the residence in uh in suites in Brentwood, Tennessee, which is right up the road from all the offices for Forefront and Sparrow and Dave Ramsey, and <laughs> all of those folks. And um, it's interesting. Um, I stayed there through 2001. I, my ex-wife, I had met online. She was a she was going to do some. Uh, uh, she wanted to know how to interview. Uh, she was going to interview somebody for the first time, and so I decided to help her out and give her some tips and things like that. And we kind of chatted and talked and I came back to Oklahoma. She was from Oklahoma, came back to Oklahoma, got married, um, became a youth minister in Chickasha, Oklahoma. Wow. And then, um, now this is after Nashville. This was after my first year in Nashville. First year in Nashville. Yeah. So then I went back to Nashville in 2004 and stayed there through January of 2008. Okay, so four years there. Yeah. And during my time, during my second time there, it was much of the same thing. Um, was trying to find something to do at a record label. I knew that I wasn't an artist. I didn't write music. I wanted to do some kind of promotion, uh, work with their radio teams or work with their street teams, things like that. But long story short, you know, once, once uh, Napster and Apple and iTunes and mm-hmm. you name it. Once that once that hit the big scene, all those radio promotion jobs mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. Any anything that wasn't related to actual physical, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All those jobs were gone, and radio went the way went went the same way. Mm-hmm. We don't need ten disc jockeys anymore. We only need two. Yeah. And we don't really need a studio. We just need a room. Right. So. They just kind of faded away. You know, it's weird. I, for me, when I went to work in radio, I was uh, visiting with the recruiter uh, in that process. And, and you know, as a third-party recruiter, I don't think she knew anything. About, I mean, maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> she said, uh, so why radio? And I said, oh, I have no interest in radio at all. I said, I don't think it's going to last very long. If this wasn't in the digital realm, because I was a digital program director. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I was going for, I should say. I said, I don't think I'd be interested at all. And so, um, you know, when I eventually got the job, I think what I found so interesting is the skittishness of all of the employees. Mm-hmm. You know, I walk in and I'm kind of like, for me, I'd spent most of my life in full-time ministry. So I was mm-hmm. in essentially sabbatical mode and I didn't really process it. You know what I mean? Um, and so when I got there, <laughs> I just found it so interesting because on the one hand, I, I heard a lot of people who had a lot of confidence bordering on pride and arrogance. And then at the same time, you dig a little deeper and they were super insecure. Yeah. And you get a lot of that. I, I, I You can include me in that circle for a little <laughs> while. I mean, you get this idea that you're interviewing these artists, you're around the, you're around the industry. You start to feel like, and I listened to J, to JD, your podcast with JD, and he's right. You get this idea that you want to be a rock star. Mm-hmm. You, you, you want to be a part of that lifestyle. You want to be a part of something that's bigger than you. And that should speak loudly to people who are believers. Yeah. Right. Because there are people in this world who are not Christians, who don't profess Jesus Christ as their savior. And yet they want to belong, man. There's so many people in our lives that just want to belong. And that skittishness comes from the fact that I believe, and this is in my opinion, Jason Z opinion, God created us to worship, Mm. right? We can worship lots of things. And we do. A matter of fact, in the middle of our conversation just now, my phone went off. I forgot to turn it off on my way in. Hey, it's all right, man. We got shows that go off all the time. Golden rule number one, turn your phone off if you're coming into the radio station. (laughs) Anyway, so we're addicted. I mean, so many people are addicted to things they don't even know that they're addicted to. And, and I'm just as guilty. I'm not sitting here pointing the finger. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here saying, man, there are this world wants to be addicted to something. They want to be a part of something. They want their lives to matter. And I think that's where that comes from. With When you're around radio people or you're around artists, I'll give you an example. I'm sitting, this is my second venture into Nashville, and I'm working at a hotel. And it's a, it's a, a long-term stay hotel. And so Katrina, 
I think it was Katrina. I could have the hurricanes wrong because there's been so many. Mm -hmm. And thank God Joe Biden's going to quit making tornadoes and hurricanes happen. That's a different day. Fact check. Exactly. Fact check. (laughs) So so this particular morning I had come down and uh, Johnny Van Zant and the guys from Leonard Skinner were there because they needed they were going to record a special down in Nashville. Hmm. And Brentwood, where they were staying, is, I don't know, a hop, skip, and a jump down Highway 65. And they always stay there. They get together there and they write music and they do they do that and whatever. Here comes Johnny and the band. They come downstairs to eat breakfast. And they're just like you and me, right? You, you think Leonard Skinner, these guys are going to be like half drunk, blowing up tables and catching their TVs <laughs> on fire and talking about the South. And you get these preconceived ideas because you believe media right. all the time. These guys come down. Nicest guys I've ever met. Gary, uh, the uh, Rosington, um, uh, the keyboard player, uh, Johnny Van Zant comes down and they're just the nicest guys and they're getting the continental breakfast, you know, and they're sitting there eating breakfast, talking to each other like normal human beings. Mm. And then all of a sudden we get a phone call about a loose dog, uh, in, in the hotel, you know, in the hotel and it's long-term stay. So there's a lot of families there from the, from the hurricane, a lot of children. So we were kind of worried about it. So I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll go out and we'll take care of it. And I started to call engineering and get some other guys. These guys from Leonard Skinner, every one of them, got up from their breakfast, went outside with me and helped me look for this dog and helped me, help me, you know, gather it up and return it to its owners, petted it, <laughs> all this stuff. And then you, you have that moment, right? You have your moments, you have your radio moments, and then you have your not so radio moments. I got back to the desk and then I get home after my shift is over and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've been in radio for a long time. I've interviewed guys like Billy Graham. I've interviewed Bill Clinton. I've talked to some major players, blah, 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 blah. And you sit down at your dinner table and, and you're eating soup, ramen noodle soup with a fork. Right. And you think, dude, today I helped chase down a dog with the members of Leonard Skinnerd. Wow. I don't know anybody in the world that can say that. Yeah. Do I have an autograph? I did. Somebody stole my jacket, but... <laughs> Do, do I have an autographed dog? No. Yeah. Did I get to do a video with Leonard Skinner? No. Did, did they give me a bunch of free stuff and call me really cool and, and praise me as a disc jockey? Not even close. Mm. They just treated me like an individual. They acted like a human being mm-hmm. and they're very kind. And I think kindness in the radio world goes a long way. And that's why you see some of the skittishness because everybody wants to be popular. Everybody wants their show to, to have top marks. They mm-hmm. want, they want their analytics off the chain and I get it. I, if I'm going to do something, I want to make money at it. I, I get it. But, but is that your only goal? And that, mm-hmm. that, again, that's for another, you another know, day. Wh- what's interesting about that because, you know, being in ministry my whole life, character is kind of a big deal. Um, I think character is a big deal, whether you're in full-time ministry or not. But I remember going to work in that environment and I was there for like, I don't know, it was my first week and and my analytics were, you know, Facebook numbers and website visits, things like that. So all of a sudden I get an email on whatever day of the week it was. Again, I'd only been there about a week. I get this email from our market president and it's copied to everyone on in the uh, in the market. And he's praising me because he looked at the numbers and he saw all this great stuff. I'd been there a week. I didn't. Oh, wow. I had nothing to do with those numbers, and and I knew that, right? right. I'm, I'm just now figuring out the analytics in general. And so, I replied back to all, and I said, "Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. But honestly, this one uh, is as a result of this particular disc jockey doing his job mm-hmm. because it was. I mean, I could find that, and and I didn't think anything of it. Well. That guy and I now are great friends and have been for a long time. But one of the things he said, um, his wife is in, was in marketing, and he he didn't tell me this till later. But you know, he went home and he told her what had happened, and mm-hmm. and she said that's about the most rarest thing I've ever heard of. But but, but for me, I'm like, hey, don't give me credit because I didn't do it. This guy did it, and and I think that you know that really solidified. Oh, and we were friends before I started working there, mm-hmm. but that really solidified our friendship to the tune where I've been gone now for six, seven years from there. And we still get together regularly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think about things like that. This should be the commonplace things we do. And, you know, when you tell your story about Leonard Skinner, I mean, <laughs> dude, what I'm hearing in all that is you have, um, 
you could have a lot of mem- what you didn't have mm-hmm. didn't wouldn't have had the impact that that did doing not something a, that simple you know not at all not at all and then you know like i said people have their moments especially guys like you and i that are been around djs or been a dj been around radio for a long time we we have moments where we get awestruck nashville right. is one of those places where you can go and you can be walking down the street and you'll see michael sweet in a in a ball cap or you'll see uh, true story um, they have a place called Electronic Express in Tennessee, and it's like the Best Buy of Tennessee. Mm. And so you go in, you get a TV, you buy a computer, whatever you need electronics-wise, you go in there. So I'm in there, another kind of a kind of another Leonard Skinner moment. <laughs> um, and I see this guy struggling to get out the door. Right? They don't have the sliding doors. You have to open it, and then you have to walk through. And there's this guy, and he has to be like all a five foot tall. And he's got this big screen TV and he's trying to get it through the door and he can't, he can't get it open and he's struggling. Nobody's going to help him. <laughs> so I walk over there and open the door and he's like, thanks, man. It's Toby McKeon from DC Talk. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I couldn't think of anything to say because I, I had met him before. He, he, it's like the DJ life. You get to interview everybody. They don't remember you. Right. Of course. So I've interviewed him several times, but of course he didn't, he wouldn't know who I was from Adam. But again, Walking through the store, carrying a TV. Nobody's helping him. It's Nashville. It's Tennessee. And I am i couldn't think of anything to say. So all I said was, hey, I think Diverse City is a great record, man. That's what I told him. Because I think it was that year that it came That's out so or funny. something like that. But but And then there are other moments where you do, you do stupid things thinking, oh, this is crafty. Mm. I'm a big Oasis fan. We can talk about that later as to why and how come those guys are so rebellious. Why would you love those guys? <laughs> we'll talk about that. But um, I was at the 2006 GMA Awards. Um, I got invited by Sony, a guy, a gentleman at Sony Records invited me. So I got to come and I was wearing uh, brown corduroy pants. Yeah. With hard shell Adidas. Oh, my God. And I was rocking the definitely maybe navy blue Oasis logo T-shirt. So I was like, there it is. There it is. Boom. <laughs> All about the entertainment. So I get invited. And of course, he's like, hey, you want to go back and talk to you know talk to some people and i'm like okay that's fine great you know i had talked to all of them before and that kind of stuff doesn't really make my hair blow back like it used to so i was like yeah that's fine so i get back there and of course my very first interview in radio was amy grant i was Mm. 15 maybe 16 years old when i interviewed amy grant wow and i walked back there and of course all of the christian artists are sitting you know sitting where they normally do i think it's the grand Ole opry don't quote me because i can't remember exactly where it was at but You've got Switchfoot and you've got Amy Grant and Vince Gill on the front row and you've got all these people sitting there and you're like looking around trying to take notes and names and all this stuff. And um, I go backstage and I get my picture taken with Vince Gill and Amy Grant. Vince on one side, Amy on the other. And I've got my arms around him and I, t- you know, I tell her, I said, yeah, obviously I'm slobbering again. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you. You were my very first interview in radio. I, you know, you're, you're great, blah, 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 blah. Put my arms around him and my mom to this day in her in her little room that she keeps, my mom is like 73 years old and she has a room that has all these pictures in it. She's a picture person, Mm. old school. You know, when you used to get them developed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she has a picture of me with Vince Gill and Amy Grant. And I'm sitting there in the middle in my hard shell Adidas and my Oasis shirt in the middle of Vince Gill and Amy Grant. And I'm thinking that is the oddest pairing (laughs) I've ever seen. You've got Oasis in the middle Amy Grant on the right, Vince Gill on the left. And then at the end of the day, and at the end of that little trek, Switchfoot actually signed those hard shell Adidas. I ended up having to sell them to pay rent. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like I'm holding on to my Kevin Durant autographed jersey. Oh, yeah. And you hold on to that. Mostly because when everybody burned them when he left, mm-hmm. the, I thought, well, now this, this market just went up. <laughs> Dude, if I told you all of the stuff that I've had to sell, my wife, every time I tell her, it just breaks her heart. You know, oh, man. Like, I had gold records from that were honorary, you know, given to us from, you know, Forefront with DC Talks, Jesus Freak oh, and man. POD's Satellite. And oh, I could go on and on all day. But the truth is, you're right. I think that as a disc jockey and someone who gets close to the music scene, and it wasn't just Christian music for me. I was also involved in a pop station in Nashville called 1025 The Party. It's now a sports talk radio format. And, you know, got to meet a lot of interesting characters and got my feelings hurt as, as a believer. Mm. A lot of these artists that you listen to and you put your money into and you put your beliefs into, remember, 
these are just tools, just mm-hmm. like your, just like your podcast. It's a tool. And people that people that are behind the microphone, people that sing those songs, people that write those songs, they come from real places, but they're broken just like you and me. Right. And so uh, a lot of times as a, as a young Christian, for me, uh, I had this idea that these artists that were singing these songs were like hardcore Christians and that they were going to have like angels wings and that they're always <laughs> going to come defend me and they were going to defend the cause and they were going to defend Jesus and they're going to flip tables and, mm. and look at my scars and say, okay, I'm, I'm Peter, I'm Paul. They were going to be like that all the time. And mm-hmm. they're just people. Mm-hmm. Okay. To be real honest, they're just people. I was, I was in the music scene, the Christian music scene there in the whole Jennifer Knapp. Mm. Coming out of the closet, Michael English, infidelity, you know, you, you say, oh no, let's, 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 let's not talk about that. Let's be real calm and not talk about those things. But when those things happen to real people, Mm -hmm. people that don't have record deals and don't have Grammy awards and don't have uh, dove awards and they don't get to talk into a microphone and, and hopefully the music that you play that goes out over the air changes people's lives. When you're not doing that and you're Joe blow milkman, uh, delivering milk to people and and trying to make a living for your family and infidelity and sin and grossness and darkness take over your life. Who's there to help you? Mm. And and we can talk about that on a different show. But I would love for it to be for the me, local Christian yeah, population. Yeah, for for <laughs> me to, to make a full circle here, I learned a, a few lessons in Nashville. Some of them were harder than I wanted to learn. Mm. I lived on. Let, let's be on. I'm going to be real honest with you here. I'm going to be as transparent as I can be. I lived on Diet Coke and cigarettes. Mm. Okay. I was a Christian, mm-hmm. right? And I was doing my thing, but that's what I lived on in Nashville for a whole year. That's all I ate and drank. Mm. You know, I wasn't a big partier. I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big alcohol person. That was something that was never, I mean, I like Guinness. I'll be honest. I like Guinness. I like darker, but I was never a drinker, you know, a hard partier or anything like that. But, but I had my vices. And the truth is, is that there are people in this world that are around you that you influence every day, whether you're a radio disc jockey, whether you deliver the mail, whether you're uh, like my wife, she works for a law firm here in Oklahoma city and, and she does extraordinary work and she's not even a paralegal, but she gets treated like one, Mm. right? So she has some expectations put on her that are really, really high, but she does it to the glory of the Lord. And, and I say that not lightly because working for God's glory, it it doesn't pay. Yeah. Um, And, and it's not, the, the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, once I walked away from radio for good, I say for good, I, I'm going to try podcasting. We'll see what happens. But when I decided to walk away from 91 FM, it was because of a lot of things. Um, but the, but the main reason was, is I, um, first of all, didn't want to misrepresent myself. Um, I'm a sinner. I believe in, I, I believe in grace um, I believe that when real life sin happens in your life, whether it's infidelity or you've killed somebody or you've you've done one of the things that most churches would say, man, I don't think I can let you come in my doors for that. Hmm. Um, that's when that's when the rubber meets the road, as far as I'm concerned. And as a disc jockey, whether it's country or pop, whether I'm talking to um, somebody from the Backstreet Boys or I'm talking to, you know, Billy Graham. Um, I think there comes a time in everybody's life where God does something to get your attention. Mm. And we could talk about that for a lot longer, but I'm in love with radio. I always have been. I always wanted people to know that there are alternatives to what you have. Um, they're not always the best. They're not always, you know, they're not always something that you'll stay interested in. But man, if, if there's something that can pull you away from the darkness that keeps you locked up, I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, uh, Exodus fourteen fourteen is one of my favorite verses of all time. It says, all you need to do is be still and the Lord will fight for you. Hmm. And there's another verse. A lot of people go to Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, the, you know, the whole, you could probably quote it. Mm-hmm. I know the plans I have plans for you, I, yeah. right? 29, 13, it's on the inside of my wedding band. Hmm. 29, 13 simply states right after that says, if you seek me with all of your heart, that's when you'll find me. Yeah. And I think that's where real living is, whether you're Christian or whether you're a believer or not, whether you play in a rock band, whether you play in a quote unquote Christian band, whether you are democratic or Republican or libertarian, if you're seeking and you're looking and you want answers 
God will make a way. And, and I don't say that lightly because I live with people who are agnostic and they, they don't necessarily believe that, uh, that God is either real or not real. He's just kind of a thing. Mm. Um, but I honestly think after my adventures in Nashville and coming back and forth from Oklahoma to Nashville, Tennessee, and working in country, pop, Christian, almost rock and roll. Thank you, Cat Radio. <laughs> uh, they actually called me, wanted me to do like their seventh day something. Mm. They offered it to me twice, I think. And this again, you have to really dig deep down when you're broke and think, I have I have three children of my own. My wife, I have two stepchildren with my with my wife, Misty. And at that time when they asked me, um, it wasn't going to be near enough money to help raise those three kids. Yeah. And they were going to, and, and of course I, I'm part of the system, right? You get your kids on the weekends and then they, and then you get them every other weekend. And that show that the cat offered me was on the weekends. And mm-hmm. it, I could have made an, you know, I could have made a name for myself. I could have been on one, you know, a rock station. I could have finally done something that I dreamed about doing since I was six years old, but I turned it down. I turned it down twice. Hmm. And the only reason I bring it up again is I honestly believe that if you are seeking, if you are looking for something, if you are worshiping something, whether it be pop music, K-pop music, God help us all, <laughs> uh, rock and roll, you know, whatever it is that you do or that you're into, there's something about us as human beings that are driven to worship. Mm-hmm. Not all worship is bad and not all worship is good. But I will say this, that uh, whether I don't, I don't want to get into a theological discussion. I just know that when God wants your attention, he's going to get it. Yeah. And when he does be paying attention, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's something that uh, is challenging for folks because, um, you know, it's so often instigated by us. You know, I think about Peter. Um, Jesus didn't call out to Peter and say, hey, come out to me until Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Right. That's right. He lays it out there. And what is when you ask God for something like that, the first thing he's going to ask you to do is is do something that you can't do in your own power. Mm -hmm. And so that's when Peter walks on the water. And it's not until Peter realizes that he's walking on the water that he begins to sink. To sink. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The kind of friends that. Here's my thing. And I I don't know how long we have or. or, We got about hopefully 10 minutes left. Yeah. I have teenagers now. When I started in radio, I was a teenager. I didn't know my backside from a front side. I was scared of girls. I didn't have to worry about girls till I got older because I had crossed eyes and girls weren't really attractive. So that 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 was a help. That was helpful for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my mom was like, "Thank goodness." <laughs> um, but one thing I will say: there is another story in the Bible about uh, some friends that take a paralytic and they cut a hole in the roof. Mm-hmm. And they lower this man down to Jesus just because he wants, he wants to be in the same room. Yeah. I mean, he want, obviously he wants to touch the garment of Jesus or he wants to get healed. You know, there's a driving, there's a driving narrative behind the story. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm thinking of the friends, right? Do I have those kind of friends? Mm. I mean, dude, I'm 50 years old and I, I can tell you on two hands, the friends that would come to my rescue mm. and, and I'm not being melodramatic. I've pushed everybody away. I, I got really angry about Christianity. I got really angry at people in Christianity. I got really angry at artists and labels and people. Mm-hmm. And when you get that angry, man, anger does bad things to your life. It's not a good roommate. Right. <laughs> anger is not a good roommate. But I'll tell you this. If you're listening or if you do listen, take this to heart that I don't know if if you're all going to be seeking God. I don't know if you're a believer in God. I I don't even know if you know who God is, but I will say this, the kind of friends that you're looking for are the kinds that will cut a hole in the roof. Yeah. Because without those friends, who's going to be there? I've got a handful of friends that would cut a hole in the roof for me to get to Jesus, regardless of the shape of my life. Whether I've been a Christian for 20 years, whether I've been a Christian for 70 years, whatever. The kind of friends that cut holes in roofs to lower you to Jesus, those are the friends that are going to change your life. And if you get to listen to good music along the way, or if you get to do something great uh, that, that, that promotes you into a place of, of influence, 
God bless you and do, do the right thing. And I can toot my horn all day long, but if I don't have people, if I don't have people in my background praying for me, dude, I'll drop an expletive just like anybody else. I'm a, I'm a staunch Republican. I have no, I have no apologies. I love my man, Dan Bongino. <laughs> Shout out to Dan. Word up, Dan. And, uh, but I'm telling you, um, just from my own, I can only speak from my own experience that uh, no matter where you are, no matter where you're listening from, no matter if you're deaf in your left ear or you have crossed eyes, that God is pursuing you mm. and he won't stop. Man, that's awesome. Jason, dude, <laughs> such a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to meet. A shout out to JD, John Downing, for making this happen what for up? sure. <laughs> Um, I want just briefly, I want you to talk a little bit about your, um, the podcast we talked about. I, just, just let everybody know what, cause I'm excited about potential, uh, content that you're going to be producing. Well, I, I am trying to start a podcast. I just got it set up and, um, I'm still looking at equipment and all that stuff. So maybe after Christmas is when I'm looking to, to start it, but it's called a, uh, first cup with Jason Z and, um, it'll be on Anchor, more than likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the friendliest, I think. And That's what, yeah, we use them. Yeah, awesome. Um, but it's called First Cup. And basically, it's going to be just like you're having your first cup of coffee. And it's going to be maybe some headlines. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, a devotion of some kind, talking about, uh, literally, it's just sitting down and having a morning conversation like you would at the donut shop with uh, with your guy friends or your girlfriends. And then maybe... Uh, uh, a snippet or two uh, from the music industry. I don't know. I, I haven't really put everything. Everything's on paper. I've also been working on um, a 10 year business plan that's gotten my attention more than my podcast, but I should probably uh, do a little equal, you know, do an equilibrium check. <laughs> right. But I've also, uh, I've also wanted to always open up a, um, a vinyl uh, record store. Oh, cool. In Oklahoma city where, you could have concerts on the roof. I know that there's a noise ordinance. Don't call and tell me that there's not. You're going full Empire Records but on us, aren't you? Totally Empire Records, <laughs> except when you come into my store, you're going to have people who know their know their stuff in vinyl. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're going to see different phone booths from all around the world. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're a big Beatles fan or an English music fan or British music fan. So you go over to the red phone booth, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got the Who, and you've got the Beatles, and you've got, of course, the Stone Roses and Oasis and whatever. That's awesome. Um, and then you go to Ireland, and you've got what the Coors, and you've got U two, and you've got whoever you know, Texas Tech. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe it'll That's... be. A, be a, I don't know. You know how hard it is to find a phone booth in, in America now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know how expensive those things are. I bet they're an arm and a leg. But anyway, long story short, I've been working on this plan for ten years, where people can come in, sit down with their friends. It's kind of like a place to go after work. You know, mm-hmm. for people who don't want to get drunk out of their minds, come in. We'll have you know some some theme day, you know, today's ACDC day or today's DC talk day. Mm. So we'll, we'll highlight their music. And then of course it'll be someplace that you can go. That's kind of like when the hard rock started, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of a kind. If you don't come to Z's vinyl Oasis, then you are totally missing the point. Right. So if yeah. I can get Steven Tyler or, you know, Stephen Curtis Chapman for that matter to wear one of my t-shirts, then boom. So you're sitting at my vinyl shop, right? And you're listening to music and you're looking around and you, there's all these knickknacks and turntables and blah, blah, blah you can buy. And you've got friends and there's whatever's happening is happening. And Stephen Curtis Chapman walks in or Steven Tyler walks in and there's a set of guitars or whatever close to the roof. You know, we've got a little mini mm. sound system. So you're there and they play an acoustic set you're the only one there to see it. Hmm. Right. So it's one of those things like you can't miss it. Like, yeah. It, it, I don't know. I've been working on it for 10 years, but the podcast itself, it's called uh first cup with Jason Z. And it's just kind of a sit down and talk about, you know, what's happening in our world. It's kind of like, kind of like what everybody else is doing. I'm, I'm trying to find a, a niche, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, uh, your freedom is being stripped away from you. Right. And uh, there is a lot that the Bible has to say about freedom spiritually and physically and also in our country. Mm. And so I think that for me, my show is going to be geared more toward the right, to mm. be real honest. Um, not going to lie. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I'm a big believer in the second amendment mm-hmm. and all of those things. But I also, it's one of those things where I can sit down like you're doing with everyday people and say, man, just because the church gave up on you, just because 
maybe your friends gave up on you or the people that you thought were your friends gave up on you. The industry gave up on you. All these people have walked out of your life. You know, there's some, there's some help that you can receive that's professional, but there's also some spiritual help. And, and I'm here to tell you that just because one person in the Christian community gives up on you doesn't mean that the rest of us do. Yeah. And that's kind of the message of first cup with Jason C. Yeah. I love it, man. Uh, I am looking forward to, to listening to episode one of the first cup for sure. And, uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us again. I want to thank you, Jason, for being a part. And, uh, listen, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, do me a quick favor. Go ahead and share it with somebody and then don't forget to subscribe. That's how we, uh, you know, you know that you're listening. It's uh, affirmation for all of us insecure people out there. <laughs> so anyway, thanks again. God bless you guys, and we will see you next time.